0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Vigilante Book Club. We're well into Eondo Binder's Menace of the Saucers, so if you want to start with Chapter 1, jump back to the beginning of the season. Or stay and hang with us. Be warned, oftentimes we talk about sensitive subject matter and use profanity. But certainly nothing worse than your eccentric uncle might say at a Christmas party. How is that goofy fucker, by the way?
1: Deezing. Do your part. Nice pants. Nice haircut, asshole. Yeah. (laughs) And streaked into the breach. Balls out.
0: Balls
2: out. Hey, guys, we made it. We're here for the party.
1: You guys want to have a shit party? (laughs) I would like to right away thank and shout out the lovely Robin Grant Moran. Yeah, Maybe I'm saying their name right. I don't think any of us know Robin personally. We've talked to her digitally now a little bit. But Robin gave us our little show, a shout out in Toronto life. Thanks for being a fan of our show and getting uh, getting the word out about our uh, our silly little time that we spend here. But it means a lot yeah. to us, uh, and yeah, it means it really means a great deal to us to have you believe in our show and giving us a little spotlight and for being a fan. So thanks, Robin.
0: Thank you, Robin. Woo! That was really exciting to read. That.
2: How much did we have to pay Robin for that?
0: Forty-five bucks.
2: Oh, I gave her a hundred. Oh, we eat. I gave her forty-five. Oh. Oh, shit. Okay, fuck you, Robin.
0: <laughs> I want my 45 bucks back.
2: What an <laughs> odd bribe number. 45.
0: 45 Canadian Be ashamed to bucks. see
2: something happen to this place. <laughs> unless there were, say, forty-fourty-three 43.22 in my pocket right now.
1: <laughs> okay, do you want me to round up or down because we've lost the penny? Find the pennies. Find the pennies.
0: Fine.
2: I want you the You think pennies. I'm a fucking idiot? You think I'm a fucking idiot? <laughs>
0: i assume that's how robin sounds Robin's yeah
1: a, yeah she's a, a, an
0: italian gangster i have
1: a, a silly a silly conversation
0: i don't do silly no you're such
1: a serious little fella I am um so st-
0: little you had to say little. i had to say
1: little. <laughs> as we as i tower over top of you Hi. Hey. i have a question i have a subject which came from our last chapter sort of but it's about Time and time travel. Mm-hmm. Our, our last chapter, Thane went through a, t- a time warping machine, which was able to reverse his brain. Anyways, it got me thinking about time travel. Let's start with this one, real easy. What's your favorite time travel movie?
0: Back to the Future. Easy.
1: One, two, or three. Oh,
0: mm. I mean, That's I do tough. love
1: the classic.
0: It's it's got it's it a bit is. rapey, but. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine
1: that was a it review. Is a bit... Back to the Future one, a bit
2: rapey. It, it is not even it really is... a bit. Like she it's keeps harsh. getting assaulted. Like even I in know. the dance with Marty or with no, just that guy looks like a lizard at the end.
0: Oh yeah, that other guy. I know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then she she just gets grabbed by a guy. She's like, help me. But my favorite time
1: movie is Time Cop, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme.
0: I just quit the podcast. <laughs> Time Cop?
2: Time Cop! I'm sure I've seen it, but I don't remember it.
0: All I remember from Time Cop is when somebody like shoots through the wall or something, and he does the splits on his counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's the great scene. That's a great scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the Future obviously lives prominently in our minds, and I like Time Cop. Uh, That was just a little fun thing I I was curious about. But my uh, time question is, if you had the chance... To travel back in time. Let's go with the idea that the future doesn't exist, so you can't travel there. If you could travel back in time to any time and region, where would you go?
0: I have legitimately never wanted to do this.
1: This conversation?
0: Yeah, or this podcast. <laughs> Man, you <laughs> hate the show today hard. <laughs> about four times you've quit.
1: <laughs> What's happened? I just, so many truth bombs.
0: You set them up. I
1: woke know. up this morning and realized how much of my life you've burned through
2: Kevon. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I've always wanted to be... I always thought that even just like being in costumes for for plays, I've done a lot of plays in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, yeah. 60s even, Um, that I, I would have loved to be 20 in the 20s, 30 in the 30s, 40 in the 40s, 50s and the 50s, because all of those styles, like just style-wise, it really suits me. I love those old suits and stuff. They they just fit so nice for me and my weird ass tall body but
0: i thought you were just focusing on your ass but
2: yeah my ass looks great in all of those eras <laughs> not so much in this one
0: but now put them in a pair a of denims and yikes anything high-waisted
2: <laughs> and i look great but yeah i don't know if i gosh like going back in time I mean, you guys are is... boring yeah it's kind of I'm, I'm there's not a, there's not a thing you'd
1: want to witness some historical moment, uh, some era to have seen for yourself.:
0: I see, I have a fear of the past a little bit because, because it was never as uh, technologically privileged or as luxurious as it mm. is now. So I've never wanted to have less than we have. Interesting. And so I never I never romanticize about this. So if I, if I was going to time travel if I, if I could, I'd actually go ahead. I would travel ahead, maybe 10, 20 years.
1: 10 years, that's all you jumped if you had the future at your hands, Yeah, no, too? I don't want to
0: go where I'm out of, like, completely out of place.
1: You're describing a coma, not time travel.
0: Yeah, I want I want to do that. I want a coma. <laughs>
2: I just, I'd like to wake up in 10 years and have, just feel really rested. Yeah, a Rip Van <laughs> Winkle. Like,
0: you know, like, it's like the iPhone 20 or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, hey, I, I think I get how it works, but it, cool new features. Oh,
1: you guys are ding-dongs. I think this is pretty cliched, and there's also, like, because there's already a movie about it, too. But uh, I would like to experience Paris in the 20s. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In that sort of romantic writer's era of, you know. You and
0: Hemingway would have been pals, I feel.
1: I would like to have Drinking tried to buddies. have been his friend. I don't think I could have kept up with that, uh... Lunatic, but Ooh, I just yeah. think
0: there was something,
1: there was a vibe obviously going on in that culture at that time, coming off the First World War, and there was like artistic flourishment, and there was, uh, you know, don't nope, don't just leave flourishment <laughs> behind.
2: I think I think
0: Hemingway would have a problem with that one.
1: <laughs> no, what happens? I'd say it wrong, and it would end up in one of his
2: novels, and then I'd be like, yeah, <laughs>
0: see, He's flourishment, like crack you over yeah. the head with a beer bottle, and then write about you.
2: Yeah, but then Hitler would have won the war when you came back. <laughs> 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 that's that
1: was the moment in the butterfly effect because i said yeah. flourishment in the 20s hitler one <laughs> yeah what a see, weird course of meddling, events Kayvon. yeah
0: <laughs> if i could just go and be a tourist i think it'd be very cool to be to to take a walk around restoration florence
1: there you go Is that uh, so you're gonna go see da vinci
0: exactly and like you know michelangelo's doing his thing you know right in that moment mm-hmm. and, and creating all that beautiful art and and there was such an explosion of cultural ideas and i think yeah i think that'd be neat plus the food i'd like to go
2: back in time and see justin timberlake's last concert live
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey last concert no you mean his most recent not like not
2: not his final concert
1: (laughs) but who knows the other form of time travel, which we see in um, storytelling, which I think is the one that's more of the daydream fantasy factory, and I think of the film, which I mentioned during our reunion chat, Peggy Sue Got Married, is being mm-hmm. able to travel back uh, as yourself and put yourself back into a previous moment of your life or or phase of your life. Mm. Is, there a, is there a period of your life that you would like to jump back to? And this almost kind of echoes... You know, would you you change something or erase? But no, I'm not saying erase. Just being able to, like, go through it again with what you know now and that sort of concept of travel back. You can't
0: change it. You just have to relive what it is.
1: I don't know. Go for it. Change it. Peggy Sue tried to change it. I mean, there's lots.
0: Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of beautiful things. Maybe just to stay on topic in terms of, like, where I would time travel to. I remember when I came around the corner and I was in Florence. It was nighttime. It was my first night there. Walking with my family, we came around the corner and we saw the Duomo for the first time. And it was such a powerful experience just seeing this huge piece of classic architecture. It brought tears to my eyes. I mean, I can think of probably thousands of moments like that in my life.
2: Also, I'd like to go back and see Justin Timberlake's last concert. <laughs> <so> stupid. <laughs> I'd do high school again.
1: I would totally do high school again. Because you loved it? Really? I just, you know, it's a thing. There's so many echoes now ha- coming from all the conversations we've we've had. I don't know if I remember it right. I don't even know if I'm remembering right. what it was like, if I have adapted that in my brain. I don't think it was bad. I didn't have a traumatic high school experience like many did. I wouldn't go back to elementary school. That was awful. But I, did, hmm. I, had, I had a positive high school experience, and it was interesting, and there was a lot of learning, and... um. I just would, yeah, I'd do it again. I I, I, I think the fantasy factory always is, is, it'd be cool to go back with everything you know. Right. And take a second run at it. I, I think I'd be interested in trying that. I definitely daydream about it. But I would just also just go and witness the whole thing again from first person. I think it would be interesting.
0: Yeah, like there was this girl I had a really big crush on in high school, and I was too nervous to tell her. And then... um Finally, one day, I kind of like got up the courage, and I walked into the school, and and I saw her, and she leapt into the arms of one of my friends. And I'd realized that somehow over the last like 24 to 48 hours, they had become boyfriend and girlfriend. And so I was like, uh uh-oh, I missed it. I missed my chance. Now I I, I don't ever – I don't spend any time regretting that. But I guess if I <laughs> if you're just going to be a tourist in your own life and your life is like a theme park like if I'm going to go to Farron and and ride one of the rides I'd probably go try maybe that ride again and and see <laughs> if I could take and take a different turn <laughs> different loop to loop and see what the see what that tunnel looks like
1: just getting 24 hours ahead of time and getting in there and expressing your feelings before
0: I had multiple opportunities yeah. and I and I missed them all and mm. years after that would learn, and I think we've actually talked about this on the uh, on this podcast, but years after that, I would learn that she had feelings for me. So if I had just said something... Right. You know what I mean? It would be
2: very interesting to, like, take this further sci-fi and go, like, I would love to visit the... Al- like, witness, have no effect on the alternate universes of every one of those decisions of my life.
0: Mm. Oh, just to see
2: it. Like, for you, Farron, to go, like, oh, if I'd talked to her before that what would have the whole life been if anything different where it was the same like that would just be a fascinating totally um study
1: well this is interesting then so farron just acknowledged one so not to say that it's permanent but what are like what are moments in your life that you can recognize as those um pivot points those those intersections that you could see the choice going another way, and you would see the other thread of your life happen. Are there are, are those ones? Are they clear to you now, looking back? Moments that you go, I turned left instead of right, but I knew there was another option.
2: Yeah, for me, it's been like work or relationship related. I always find myself really curious about
1: because I, I it was so blaringly a choice, a moment of turn this down this road or this road, and it was the summer. I was a summer in Saskatoon. I had left Nova Scotia. I'd been there for 3 years and I was back in Saskatoon and I was just playing music, working in a bar and I was pretty certain at that time, very convinced that I wanted to be a musician, a rock star. I just wanted to write songs, play in bands. That was the road. That was what I wanted. And then I got this call via my mom. They contacted my mom back in Halifax, the college that I ended up going to in Victoria saying, "Hey, you auditioned like six months ago and we have a place for you in this college in Victoria. Do you want to, are you going to be here in September? And it was like Mm. June or July. Mm. And I, I ended up obviously making the decision to go and it became why I'm in British Columbia, why I met you two. I wouldn't have been, I never would have met you two. But I remember very clearly being like, I think I could not do, I could not go and I stay right here and I keep making music. I'd be very curious at that crossroads to see what the other road looked like.
0: I can relate to that, Kayvon. I mean, uh, especially sitting here with you two and, you know, there was a fork in the road for me where I hadn't considered pursuing theater at all. I didn't really know you could. Like that, I didn't, that had not dawned on me. I I hadn't spent any time in high school thinking of like, which theater school I was going to apply for. And, uh, and in fact, had different plans altogether. I was going to take a year off and, and then maybe go back, uh, go to school, uh, go to university and, and try to kind of work my way towards being like an English teacher. I, th- I thought that was something I would enjoy. And I was working at a bungee jumping place what? at West Edmonton Mall. What? Yeah. Can you just tell me
1: more about that? Uh, you were a bungee jump guy at, at the mall?
0: The way that happened was uh that that came about was I was like a
1: Did you have you done it a lot then?
0: Quite a bit, yeah. I've never uh, done it.
1: I'm so I think it freaks me it freaks me out. I've gone skydiving twice, but bungee jumping freaks me out.
0: Yeah, skydiving scares the shit out of me. But uh it, and I've heard that from lots of people that skydivers find bungee jumping scary and bungee jumpers find skydiving scary and um
1: Classic jets jets versus sharks, classic. Classic, <laughs> classic.
0: classic. classic. I, I was an audio video uh, I was an AV nerd. Uh, and uh, this bungee jumping place needed somebody to film their jumps because they would back then you'd hold this big, huge camera with like the VHS cassette tape in it, record the jumps and then sell them when they got to the bottom, you'd sell them right to the person who just jumped. So they'd have a record of their of their purchase. And so I was actually hired on just to film bungee jumps at the, uh, the water park. But when it was, whenever it was dead, whenever it was really quiet there, they'd jump me just to kind of let everybody know that this was a thing that was going on. And so sometimes I'd jump like three or four times a day. Wow. And oftentimes they'd um, they'd make me jump in, in truly absurd ways just to try things. They'd be like, hey, why don't you try this jump? Why don't you try that jump? Just do it from your dick. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes.
1: And that's how Farron ended up with a five-foot dick.
0: <laughs>
1: it doesn't work, but it's long. Yeah, it's terrifyingly limp, but it's... It is How very How you long. end
0: up with this five foot dick?
2: <laughs> well, there's a story for you. Yeah. <laughs> if I could go back in time and change one choice. <laughs> it would be to unstretch this dick. <laughs>
0: No, no. I love my five foot. I've
2: always wondered what would have happened if I hadn't stretched my dick to five feet.
0: (laughs) I had to let those guys tie a bungee cord Uh, to my dick.
1: Actually, I changed my mind. I'm going to travel back in time and watch that jump. (laughs) That's (laughs) that's what I want to (laughs)
0: witness. That's my superhero (laughs) origin story. (laughs) Oh, God. So where's Um,
1: the fork in the road coming, though?
0: The fork in the road is I was working at the bungee jumping kiosk at West Edmonton Mall. And a friend came up uh, who had graduated from high school a year before I had and said she was going to Grant McEwen for the theater. Uh, she was in the theater arts program and she uh, thought I'd love it. And I applied on a whim and uh, and I did a very, very bad audition. Uh, so I really had no right getting into that program, but they let me in.
1: No, they were like, that guy clearly needs training.
0: Yeah, they're like, we, yeah. need, a, we need a guy. And if we're going to pick just one guy, let's pick that guy with the five foot dick. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. He's a star. <laughs> <laughs> that was before Full Monty. Yeah. So I I think that changed my life forever. Like I I wouldn't almost anything that I recognize as part of my adult identity wouldn't be wouldn't exist if I hadn't gone into theater.
2: I was always going to be an actor. That was always my plan. That was always my goal. I don't really know why, but that was what I always wanted. I never was like. I want to be a fire truck when I was a kid, like the only time it's ever been, what are you going to be? I love when kids want to be objects or like a, fire a truck. season. They're like, I'm going to, grab to be autumn. No. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay, good luck. Enjoy your pumpkin spice. <laughs> but I was going to go to a different school uh, and a totally random person who had been to the school that Farron and I met at. It's like, I think you should consider here. I was going to go to a school that now actually doesn't exist. It just fully fucking disappeared. Mount Royal College. They used to have a theater program. That's where some people I knew had gone. It was close to my family, I guess. And I like hadn't really thought about it. I just kind of went like, I guess that's where you go. And then like a random singing teacher was like, well, I have a student who went to McEwen and why don't you have dinner with him? And so we had dinner and he told me about it. I was like, sounds cool. And that's where Farron and I met.
0: First day, I felt like such a fish out of water. I felt like everybody knew 200% more about theater than I did. And I was like, I just don't even know how I'm going to get through this. And then I met the silliest, funniest man I've ever met, Drew. I thought you were
1: going to go like, uh, Tyler. And then I met Drew. And he introduced me to <laughs> and my- And Drew
0: was standing behind Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> And he killed him. Yeah, um, <laughs> only be one. <laughs> and I've been afraid of Drew ever since. It's uh, obvious,
1: uh, you know, because it, it, it is such a shared fork in the road. But obvi- all three of ours is the the transition from adolescence to post secondary uh, education, yeah. and post secondary education usually informs the path you're going to go on. Um, but yeah, it's they're they they are so at the time you're doing it, it doesn't you don't realize how. Much you're informing like 20 years of your life, yeah. Um, well, I uh, it's an interesting fantasy thing to always do, and I i do it uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a reflection on that I don't like the life I'm in, it's just always an interesting thing to be able to go back and look curiosity. at curiosity, yeah, curiosity thinking about oh, if I relived it that way, what would it do? And but I gotta say, you know, uh, I wouldn't have you two. And so I wouldn't take a different turn. And so I'm happy with the, the, the life we got and the choices that were made.
0: I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing.
1: I mean, I'm open to it. Okay. Previously on Menace of the Saucers... The Galactic Vigilantes used a time warper to recover Thane's memories and to discover the location of Mirabel. After assembling a rescue party, which included a 3.5 foot tall humanoid named TZ and an 8-foot-tall pumpkin head named Hybalucky, the Vigilantes successfully penetrated the Morlean base and found Mirabel, only to set the alarm off, alerting the enemy to their presence. And now, Chapter 12 But the Morleans had opened fire now as Falcons. I'm sorry, party. does this chapter start with the word "but"? Yep, it's a hard, hard Fuck entrance. Fuck you, Eondo Binder. Just so to give us a little context, the last sentence of the previous chapter, sounds like he didn't know there was going to be a chapter break and someone else put one in. His <laughs> friends would not have time to emerge from the prison chamber. Thane saw with a sinking heart. But the Morlians, it actually doesn't make sense. Why is there a butt? Why... <laughs> It's just. I
0: bonkers. love that that was intended to clarify its use, and instead. Now I'm questioning the last sentence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the Morleans had opened fire now, as Thalcon's party swam out of the hole. Holding his breath, Thane punched buttons. Those. <laughs> but also the holding your breath. Why are you holding your breath, bud? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's how I fight.
1: Holding his breath, Thane punched buttons, those controlling level flight at low speed, he hoped. Smoothly, the saucer slid forward. It was still invisible, so the Morleans were not alarmed. Thane punched again, tilting at a slight angle down. Another button, and he was pointed straight at the floating Morleans. Now, he jabbed the spurt speed button...
0: (laughs) what we're never gonna finish we're never gonna finish but it is.
1: remember That's how terrible. sexual i thought the last chapter was there's a button oh on this God. ship called spurt
2: <laughs> spurt speed
1: spurt speed how fast did
2: you want to go did you want to go slamming fluking or spurt
0: ah. i'll take spurt please don't go too fast i can just i can just handle spurts i assume it's got a little emblem on it that let him know
1: it has that it's that emoji with the just the yeah, sprinkle exactly. of water
0: <laughs> exactly i hope this is a speed button
1: oh no it's just jerking me off it's just jerking me off the ship's just jerking me off now
0: <laughs>
1: i pushed the button that's had an eggplant with some water droplets <laughs>
0: Holy shit, this whole chapter's one page long, right?
1: Now he jabbed the spurt speed button. The saucer sprang forward like a battering ram. Invisible it might be, but it was still solid in texture. With grim satisfaction, Thane saw a dozen Morlean bodies flung helter-skelter, probably with broken bones, if not worse. Good work, Thane, came a beamed telepathic cry from Thalcon as he led their party into the porthole.
0: God work, fame! (laughs) Jesus Christ!
1: (laughs) Mirabelle had fainted. That's just a sentence. That's all. That's all, thank God.
0: In other news.
1: (laughs) This just in. Falcon leaped to the controls. We must leave fast before they get their craft after us here in the dome. But even as their saucer spun upward, an ash-silver domed disc came whistling toward them. A livid green ray swept widely in a circle and finally touched their saucer. There was a jolt and sparks. Burned out our ant. Divisio unit panted Thalcon. <sighs> now they can let loose at us
2: with blaster rays. He turned, yelling, stop! To who? I don't know. <laughs> is he yelling at the Morleans? Hey guys, can you stop firing at us? Hey guys, guys this is really really Come out. on, guys! <laughs> Give us
0: a second!
1: But it was too late. Teezy and Hybalucky were floating out the hatchway, lugging a big blaster with them. Thane saw how they planted themselves squarely in front of the Morlean ship, raking it from stem to stern. If it had a stem or stern, it was a delaying tactic. It forced the ship to turn and first eliminate the daring pair with their big blaster ray. They died? Who just died? Teezy and Hybalucky. What? They've been with us so briefly.
0: Teezy was easily my favorite character in this book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice shoot. He got one line. Oh, well, a moment of silence for Teezy and the other one. I've lucky. I will remember you. I hope you had the time of your
2: life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thane shuddered, and Thalcon put his hand to his eyes as a scarlet beam from the Morleans touched the tiny man and the giant, turning them into two burning torches. <laughs> They gave their lives to save us, half-sobbed Thalcon. He was already punching buttons. <laughs> <laughs> their saucer now had a clear path up to the dome's roof, where it oozed through swiftly. Morlian pursuit craft appeared behind them, but Thalcon grinned. Since when do they think they can ever catch a vigilante ship? Their saucer ripped up through the ocean at fantastic speed, creating a tremendous wake. The Morlean ships faded in the murk, hopelessly outclassed. Mirabelle came too, just as the saucer shot up into the air, shedding a shower of water drops. S- the spurt speed, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> well, she came too, so. <sighs> the sun, breathed Mirabel, thankfully. I never thought I'd see it again. Her indigo eyes turned. Inside out. (laughs) 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 I'm glad to see you too, Thane Smith. Thane was glad too, at the way her hand clung his penis. No, clung to his. (laughs) (laughs) She just needed to help up. She just grabbed the first thing.
0: Clung his penis.
1: (laughs) I think it's so stupid that he made her faint. He Falcon says she's one of our the best agents, and he even makes the horrible preface of saying male or female, and then to have this character like swoon faint in action—it's just like no, that doesn't make any sense.
0: And an otherwise very intelligent and sensitive book. This is yeah, (laughs) this this is a
1: an anomaly, an aberration (laughs) in what has been. Maybe she got that low blood sugar. (laughs) Well, we don't know what the Morleans were doing to her. They said there was like a 90 rays being shot into her head. So maybe there was some deterioration of stamina. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Thanks, Kayvon.
1: You're welcome. Thalcon now stood before what looked like a microphone with a stern face, but no words came from his lips. Beamed telepathy, said Mirabelle. To our mothership, I'll translate his message. Attention headquarters. "'Another Morlean base discovered at sea bottom in Pacific Ocean. "'Send Blaster Fleet. "'Exact position as follows. "'Mirabel then waved and telepathically triggered their wall monitor screen to show what followed. "'Thane saw the mothership hanging 1,000 miles high. "'From it spewed forth saucers with turrets and wicked-looking dish aerials, "'which were impulse projectors, not receivers.' A hundred of them dived down through the atmosphere and plunged into the Pacific Ocean. Thane watched in awe as the blaster fleet reached the sea dome and let loose with a barrage of rays. A dozen Morlean craft emerged to give battle, but were quickly blasted into a shower of sparks, like the dogfight Thane had seen. Then the giant dome itself dissolved in one mighty geyser of sparks, completely disintegrated. Thane was shaken. And disturbed. If you galactic vigilantes have pledged to aid worlds without using methods of force and with respect for lives, how do you explain this? At least a thousand Morleans died before our eyes. Mirabel stared at him, surprised. Thane, didn't you know? We have never killed a Morlean yet. Yeah, didn't he know? Didn't you know that this war you just watched <laughs> isn't real? <laughs> Idiot! <laughs> Thane, in turn, stared at her in surprise. After what I saw, and don't forget, during that dogfight I watched, the Morlean ship was blown to bits, including its Morlean crew. But it is only their ship that disintegrates," said Mirabelle "Not the pilots. You see, ahead of each blast beam goes the nth beam. Ugh. I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to explain this as clearly as Yondo is. You see, ahead of each blast beam goes the nth beam. This instantaneously teleports any living thing aboard into the nth dimension we told you about just before the ship explodes. And there we have a gigantic prison, so to speak, where all teleported Morleans are put into custody for rehabilitation. Okay. How fantastic and convenient is this? I have a big question. Why are you blowing the ship up after if you can just teleport people at a at a
2: moment's notice like what is why are you doing anything else
0: doesn't yeah doesn't it feel like a little bit like over explained just to save us from feeling like there's unnecessary violence?
1: Do you know what that sounds yeah. like That sounds like a parent telling a kid about When your pet dies, totally.
0: No, 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 no. But before your pet died,
1: we went. uh, We took them to a doggy park, and they went to dock it. Like it's it's so dumb. They they just died. No, no, no. They magically evaporated before the ship blew up, and now they're in a. They're getting in a. They're in a get well place in the nth dimension. Uh, Do the Morleans retaliate in kind if they happen to blast a vigilante ship? Mirabel shook her head sadly. You saw what happened to TZ and Hybalucky down in the sea dome when we escaped. They were consumed by nuclear fire. Morally, despite their high technological state, the Morleans are ruthless savages.
0: How can we say
1: nuclear? Well, that's just how I said it. You can say whatever you want.
0: No, I, I think lots of people say it that way. But it is nuclear, right?
1: I say nuclear.
0: But I think it's very common to say nuclear. And what do you want to say? Well if it's nuclear 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 I would say I would say nuclear
1: nuclear 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 nuclear
0: because you're saying nuclear
1: Well I just I'm a really big fan of the liquid U in all of its forms.
0: Yes. I I mean, everybody say, knows I this. I say duty I mean, maybe that's how it's pronounced. I don't know. But I've, I've always wondered that because I hear that a lot, actually. Like nuclear. I think bombs it just depends
1: on how pretentious you want to sound. Thanks for pointing it out, Farron, you cunt.
0: All right. Thanks for joining us this week on the Vigilante Book Club. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> uh,
1: always there with a the save.
0: <laughs> the
1: air horn with a fart is one of my favorite combinations. <laughs> <laughs> pew, 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 pew.
2: <laughs> It's <laughs> oh. a recipe
1: for happy Thalcon now turned to them in satisfaction One more Morlian base wiped out But there are others we have not yet found If only we had a spy He was staring at Thane We have one named Thane Smith Thane was too taken aback to say anything waiting for Thalcon to explain himself. Ponder this. The Morlians do not know that we seized you after your brainwashing and de-hypnotized you, nor did they see you in our scout ship that rescued Mirabel. You never came out of the ship. Thane nodded, getting the idea. In other words, as far as the Morlians know, I'm still their brainwashed dupe. And as such, added Thalcon, you can pretend to still be hypnotized and on their side, so to speak. Now wait a minute," objected Thing. "If they can read my mind, they would instantly know my thoughts and realize I was back to normal. They would also know I was working with you. Not if we brainwash you in a different way, Earthman. So, just
0: keep fucking with that brain. <laughs> give, me, give me your brain. Give me your brain. Yeah. I have an idea.
2: <laughs> oh, you nearly on. died being fixed, but we want to do something weird to you now. <laughs> This one's going to have to go through the butt, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your service.
2: Not
1: if we brainwash you in a different way, Earthman. We can mold your mental faculties to form an invisible psycho shield around your mind. Then you will have the power to conceal your true thoughts and only release those you want. You mean I'll be able to turn my thoughts on and off at will? Just as we do, said Thalcon. Oh. Thoughts on. Thoughts on. A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I think you're referring to being unconscious. No, no, it is psycho shield. No, no, you have to drink this delicious liquor. Yeah. <laughs> it will make you forget. <laughs> so what we do is we drink a fifth of vodka and psycho shield on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Just as we do, said Thalcon. Now, are you willing to be our spy and uncover Morlian secrets? We will give you a tiny device that will secretly pick up and record their thought waves. Through that, we may be able to learn vital enemy secrets or plans. Any little thing will aid us. Well, Thane Smith? It was in a comfortable room of the mothership in orbit around Earth that Thalcon and Mirabel started to brief Thane. Oh, this is so much Thalcon talking, Yay. guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the this <laughs> or you try a bunch of different voices again. <laughs> no, my mom told me I wasn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> my mom had notes that day. She was like, don't do so many voices. <laughs> so many. I was like, okay, fair enough.
0: Holy shit. Oh, I love that.
1: The earliest life in the galaxy arose some ten billion years ago. More billions of years passed before civilizations on scattered planets achieved various ways of intergalactic travel. For a long stretch of time there was only occasional contact between worlds, a slow uprise of galactic trade, and of course, wars. Wars, sometimes in which a hundred worlds on each side would be pitted against each other. But in time, a new concept arose. Cooperation for the betterment of all worlds. And so was formed the United Worlds of the Milky Way Galaxy. (laughs) 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 There's nothing more undermining to your cool team than the word Milky. Yeah. (laughs) It was going so well. We are... (laughs) We are the super extreme Milky team. (laughs)
2: Let's...
1: Team Milky, roll out. (laughs) Milky men, assemble. (laughs) Let's get Milky. (laughs) He punched the spurt button. (laughs) And it got real Milky. (laughs) (laughs) And so was formed the United Worlds of the Milky Way Galaxy a billion odd years ago. Present membership of the UW is almost three million planets. Total population on all those three million planets, went on Thalcon inexorably, is six quadrillions, or six million billions. About half are true humans, the rest a wide variety of humanoids and non-humanoids, the latter you might call Monster Men. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you might. They
2: do if the mash.
1: They do the <laughs> Welcome to our milky <laughs> supply of monster men. <laughs> <laughs> In its councils, resumed Thalcon, the U.W. soon authorized the Galactic Vigilantes, a patrol force to roam the galaxy and institute basic law and order with recruits from any world, human or otherwise. Then you've been policing the universe for almost a billion years? Thane was dazed, trying to grapple with these gargantuan figures. You began at the time when life had barely started on Earth. Falcon nodded. Yes, we first visited Earth about 750 million years ago, on a routine flyby, noting it was in an early stage of evolution and would not produce thinking beings for a long time to come. Mirabel spoke up, and then fainted.
0: <laughs> I have something to say.
1: Huh. Oh, I overexerted myself.
2: <laughs> I'm the best one they've got.
0: Yeah. I'm
1: one of our top <laughs> er- <laughs> That's this. Mirabelle spoke up. Of course, Thalcon, by saying we, you do not mean you and me, but the vigilantes of that ancient time. Everyone loves a corrector like that. Um, I think yes. what Thalcon's trying to say is <laughs> yes. the universal we... Anyways, Thank you, Mirabel. Job. Maybe go <laughs> back like you... to
2: sleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the best one they've
1: got. <laughs> 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 going to sleepy now. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. Of course, Thalcon, by saying we, you do not mean you and me, but the vigilantes of that ancient time she turned. Naturally, Thane, membership changes as time goes on, and vigilantes die to be replaced by others. Worlds have also died of what you might call old age, during that time, while new worlds freshly reaching a peak of civilization took their place. Our world, Zil, joined the UW only a million years ago. We are a comparatively young planet. "'If you can stand more,' said Thalcon sympathetically." The Vigilantes today number some 25 million members and 10 million spacecraft. Thane whistled. But then, they have some 3 million worlds to patrol. And protect, reminded Thalcon, like Earth. The youngest planets, either isolated or just emerging into the stage of space travel, must be guarded from rapacious worlds, like Morley. "'At less count, there were 128,000 maverick or piratical planets in the galaxy "'whose aims are often to plunder, conquer, or otherwise plague helpless worlds.' "'Over 100,000 lawless worlds,' mused Thane. "'He looked up at Thalcon in sudden realization. "'Lord, how many times in the past have the vigilantes driven predator planets away from Earth?' On the average, uh, once every 5,000 years, or 200 times since early mankind arose on Earth about 2 million years ago. 200 times? What were they all after? It would take too long to recite. Dude, you've done it for three pages. Just have yeah, at her say, at this point. What the fuck? Longer fucks? than this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too late. I'll give you some highlights.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? is that what he says yeah i'll give you some oh i i'll
1: give you oh you meant to just do his hair <laughs> i was
0: like now Here,
1: i'll give you some highlights <laughs> in addition to being a vigilante i'm also a stylist <laughs> i'm thinking frosted
0: tips what a weird business tactic he explains the history of his civilization but then caps it off with an offer to do his highlights I'll give you some
1: highlights. About a million years ago, the Blue World's piratical fleet came and attempted to rifle your whole world of all its uranium ore in order to build up their arsenal of nuclear weapons. Only dim-witted man-apes were around to see. Eventually, our vigilante forces won out and drove the defeated enemy back into outer space, its power broken for a thousand years. But let me tell you of a raid on Earth that succeeded, partly at least. End of chapter 12.
2: This is the conversation that should have happened the first time he came to the fucking yes, ship. It's, it's yes. really delayed, but I guess what we're supposed to
1: garner from what's happening here is we are seeing Thane Smith is officially being indoctrinated and made a galactic vigilante because they're providing right. him with all the history and tools of like what they do and uh, what he'll now probably be doing.
0: I hope we get one more like crouching punch out of Thane though. I hope that's part of his uh I hope that's part of his double agency that he goes in there. Oh, what a, what a callback. Yeah. What a callback with the, oh, pa-
1: the crouching punch.
0: Well, well, I'm just hoping that <clears throat> this mission is going to set I'm hoping this mission is going to set Thane up to use all of his skills.
1: Okay, what do you think is the last remaining hidden skill of Thane Smith? Cuz there's going to be one more easter egg coming yeah. that they didn't know he was actually a pro Blank. Pilot. That's a good call. And I think that he's a professional guitarist.
0: Yeah, I I would go in a similar direction that, like, it's a recreational skill that's going to pay off in some Some way. Some
2: music instrument or something like that. Juggling. Yeah. Little did they know he was a member of Toastmasters. (laughs) (laughs) Juggling.
1: Juggling. Pilot. And musician. Okay, those are good calls. We'll see what happens.
0: Well, I was a big teasy fan, but no R-I-P got one Teezy. line. <laughs> Poor <Teezy. laughs> And
1: high Lucky and his rubbery uh, electrical finger died real
0: fast before he right. could talk. <laughs> I like your guys' created your your invented version of teasy with the low voice but always just teasing people. <laughs> as like a as a functional skill. Like they would like call it in like Teasy. You insult somebody and then they'd move on. I like that.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Faron, for that. That was that was great. Mm-hmm you i really enjoy the close talking thing the close talking thing's really f-
0: it what you can't see is that everybody puts their nose
1: on top of the microphone i have a, a pop shield so i can't do that but it's pretty close oh look more like are. a
0: nose uh, shield right on top
1: is kind of fun too <laughs> <laughs> i like this part
0: the best holy shit this is one of the silliest ever we're episodes. fucking idiots Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Vigilante Book Club. If you enjoyed hanging out with us, give us a rating so we can find more wonderful listeners like you. And if you're craving more content, you can follow us on Instagram at Club Vigilante or toss us a message at VigilanteBookClub at gmail.com. Until next time, stay vigilant.